Have you thought about or tried having someone manage your inbox for you? If you work with an assistant or have considered hiring one, email is one of the best activities to delegate, but also one of the most scary and challenging. But it doesn't have to be. I'm working on a new ultimate guide to delegate your inbox packed with step-by-step instructions, templates, checklists, and everything you need to easily delegate your inbox management. I know this works because it's the system I developed to delegate mine. If you're interested in learning more and getting access to the inbox delegation system, get on the waitlist at themodernmanager.com slash inbox. We may not always realize it, but cultural norms have a deep impact on us and how we show up in the workplace. And when we aren't aware of these differences, well, it can lead to some awkward, frustrating, and occasionally even disastrous moments, all of which could have been avoided. Now, spoiler alert, cultural norms aren't limited to our nationality. So even if your team shares the same country of origin, stay tuned because cultural intelligence is something every manager needs. Today's guest is Lauren Rosario Maldonado. Lauren has dedicated over 25 years to leadership coaching, change management, and cultural intelligence. Her unique ability to create human-centered workplace experiences and build high-performing teams has transformed organizations and has solidified her reputation as an industry trailblazer. Her latest book, Becoming the Change, The Power of Cultural Intelligence, is a testament to her commitment to fostering cultural diversity and personal growth. Lauren and I talk about cultural intelligence. She explains how it's different from emotional intelligence and social intelligence, and then walks us through a number of the elements where different cultures have different priorities and how that impacts us in the workplace. And of course, she provides plenty of tips and stories to help you improve your own cultural intelligence. Plus, in the extended episode, Lauren explains how cultural intelligence can help you navigate conflict. Now here's the conversation. Are you a manager, boss, or team leader who aspires to level up and unleash your team's full potential? You're listening to the Modern Manager Podcast, and I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Each week, I explore effective strategies and provide actionable insights that supercharge your management abilities, optimize team performance, and foster a healthy workplace culture. Become a rockstar manager and help your team thrive at themodernmanager.com slash more. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lauren. It's really a pleasure to have you and to be talking about cultural intelligence. And before we dive in, I I just need to give a shout out to your book because it was such a fun and informative read. The way that you wove Emily in Paris at the show, which was just so fun. I also like, I was supposed to move to Paris. It ended up not happening because of the pandemic, which was very frustrating and sad for me. Maybe I'll move there someday in my life. But getting to watch Emily, I was like, I'm living vicariously. And then she made so many mistakes, which were fun to watch, but also like made me cringe a little. But getting to see her story through the lens of cultural intelligence through your book was such a great way to understand cultural intelligence and kind of bringing it into the workplace and, you know, all the things that we might be doing unknowingly wrong uh, when we're interacting with colleagues from different backgrounds. So shout out for your book. Remind me what it's called. Thank you so much. Uh, Becoming the Change, the Power of Cultural Intelligence. Maybe you can start by just laying out for us, what is this thing called cultural intelligence? Because we've, I think most people have heard of general intelligence, right? IQ. We've heard of emotional intelligence, maybe even social intelligence. But this one at least was a new one for me, cultural intelligence. And I've heard about, you know, cultural differences and things like that. But the way that you framed it was a little different. So maybe you could start by just laying out what is this form of intelligence? 
Well, thank you, Mamie, and thank you for inviting me here and talking about cultural intelligence. Emily aside, it is something that is, is very important to all of us. Uh, we've heard of EQ, emotional intelligence, and cultural intelligence is emotional intelligence's um, Siamese twin, right? Because we learn a lot about managing our own emotions, but what we perceive those emotions to be are culturally conditioned. What do I mean by that? You know, we may live in the United States and never board a plane, yet we have cultural value preferences that influence the way we approach life, the way we approach work. And so cultural intelligence is a framework that that helps you develop the skills you need to navigate those cultural differences, even in your own backyard. And so it is put very, very simply, there's a lot of heady research behind all of this that has been uh, going on for 15 years. But that's, uh, putting it simply, that's what it means. It provides uh, a neutral language to, to navigate all these cultural differences. I'm wondering if you can share some of the examples of where we tend to get tripped up the most when it comes to cultural intelligence, given that the culture is so embedded in us, we often don't even realize that it's the lens we're looking at the world. So I imagine there's probably a a couple places in particular that it shows up that we often miss. So, so, so great to point that out, right? Um, There is this misconception that culture is related to national origin or ethnicity. But culture is so much more than that. I joke that, you know, I'm Apple culture, right? I have a cell phone, I have a Mac, I have an iPad, everything Apple. But my husband is Microsoft culture. He's he's all things Androids, right? All things Microsoft and the little squares that the Microsoft represents. Um, because culture just represents the way we do things around here, right? It's those shared beliefs and norms and assumptions that are shared by a particular group that shares those same uh, nuances. And I, I'm simplifying it a lot, but that's that's really what culture is. And so, you know, we have our culture, we have our 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 heritage, we have our ancestry, right? Using my house as an example. And we don't share, we may share the same national origin, but we have a subculture, right? We have Apple, we have Microsoft, and so they coexist in the same environment. So people get tripped up about what is seen first before they understand how what's unseen influences your, your approach, your perspective, your lens, right? I would say that's the number one thing people often get hung up on because we're so conditioned to think or perceive culture as something that is, you know, geographically bound. We forget that there are all these other different dimensions at play. And what happens in the workplace when we come and coexist with all these different components? We tend to overfocus on what we see and not focus enough on what we don't see. You know, it's so funny you say that because my husband and I are both from the Midwest, and yet we have very different cultures when it comes to saying goodbye at events or parties or gatherings. I'm Jewish. My the Jewish culture is 
You have to say goodbye to every single person there, and it takes about half an hour, if not more. And the Lutheran goodbye that he grew up with is when you're when you're ready to go, you just leave. You may or may not even That's say it. goodbye to the host. You just leave. And so you, it's like we have two That's different it. ways of existing in the world. And he now jokes with me, and he he'll say, "Go start your Jewish goodbyes now because I want to leave in about an hour." Exactly. You see, that's a perfect example. You're using your, uh, you know, you're using uh, religion as the lens to view that difference um, by, right, or through. And there are other elements behind those cultural differences, those cultural values that you both espouse, even if you're leaving this party. Because one of the interesting things about uh, cultural values is that they're passed on from generation to generation. So this is a compilation of all of our lived experience um, and how it has shaped the way we, we view and perceive certain parts of our lives, right? So it's a great example. So I know some of the places, because I read your book, that cultural differences really show up. Um, and I'm wondering, like, can you talk a little bit about time and perception of time? Because I feel like, again, in the workplace, this is one of those places where we can really be kind of rubbing up against people in ways where it's like, I just don't get it. Can you kind of unpack how time might be a place that different cultures experience differently? Oh, 100%. Our perception of time, you can either view time linearly or sequentially, right? Uh, where you value every single nanosecond of time. You believe that time is money. Um, and so you, you make it a point to be succinct and preserve time and honor it as much as possible. But then you have uh, cultures that view time kind of like a, in an abstract form where time is just something of a guidepost, not necessarily something to be followed to the very nanosecond. So they believe more, you know, if, if you do value this this um, this approach towards time, you're more focused on the exchange you're about to have, the the um, the collaboration, the context of of this exchange or transaction, uh, versus the the chronological approach to your you know to your task. And so, imagine a meeting. And this happened to me many, many times. I'm thinking we have an agenda. We have the time and the minutes allocated to each aspect. And there were people in the room who strolled in, uh, you know, late to the meeting and are saying hello to everyone and are taking the time to connect with everyone before even getting to business. Before I understood these nuances from a cultural intelligence perspective, I used to think it was, you know, it was rude. Well, how can it be this person is wasting my time? Time is money and I have to get, you know, I'm thinking task, right? I'm thinking time is money and we are wasting money. And they're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, why are you stressing? How are you? How was your weekend? You know, I'm thinking, why are you know, talking about personal things? We have to focus. Uh, and I talk about that a little bit in the book, right? It, it's, once I understood that those were the nuances that were operating behind the scenes and not necessarily what I was experiencing in the moment or perceiving it as in the moment, it helped me reframe 
my approach. It didn't mean that I didn't value time any less, but I created space for, for that to happen. Where I created space for the person to show up as they are, still making sure the agenda was met, but at the same time respecting that they needed this part of the meeting as well. And so flexing, you know, my approach in that regard helped me, A, not come across as this, you know, neurotic timekeeper that was just focused on the task, while also sending the message that I respected, you know, that, that preference for the other party. I love that. And, and so much of culture shows up in meetings. I mean, not only is it the time piece, but also the personal relational piece that you just mentioned. And that's another thing that I know various cultures have a totally different take on what's appropriate relationship building and what be, what feels like prying and where, where's the line around privacy. Could you maybe talk about, about that uh, dimension as well? It's easily missed, but it is a big component, particularly in the workplace. It's, it's hitting us more now because we are either hybrid or virtual. You know, I've always been a very hyper private person. I really have been. And I remember when I started working with global teams, they always wanted to check in on what was going on in my private life. And I'm thinking, you know, oh, uh, yeah, it's sunny out. And I, you know, and I didn't have to work out. And they want to go deeper. And they, they would ask, you know, questions about my family and they would ask questions about uh, my family's, you know, work status or age or, or, and I'm thinking, why is this person crying so much? It just felt uncomfortable to me. Like, don't, 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 don't ask me. I crashed and burned from crying with that a lot of times. I could think back to situations where people may have or probably did. They never said anything because they are nice, but, you know, probably perceived me as just antisocial and like this, you know, this person that's, that's an android really and has no emotions. And I was thinking, you know, at the time, well, no, this, I value money. I value time, which is money. So I have to get to the next task, right? And that don't, don't I'm private and I'm also lead HR. So that's also something else to contend with here. So I'm thinking about all these different nuances that are impacting my approach, not understanding how that was being perceived, um, particularly at work. And I remember when I started digging deeper into cultural intelligence and really immersing myself in understanding how it impacts um, the way we approach time, the way we approach our work, the way we approach relationships, build trust. The more I understood how it, I didn't necessarily have to stop being so private. I just had to appreciate that that was the mechanism by which the other party built trust with me. And for me, you know, because I am and have always been this high achiever, hyper private person, trust for me was built on accountability, right? Dependability, uh, achievement, not understanding that there are cultures where trust has nothing to do with achievement. It has to do with relationships. 
And, you know, trust is such an important component, particularly at work, regardless of what your title is, that when this really clicked for me was honestly when I started noticing the power of cultural intelligence, noticing that, wow, this is what this person needs to connect with me, to trust me. It's not, it's not personal. It's, it's more about how they perceive either relationship to be in and what they need from me to earn their trust. Wow, that is so insightful. And I can see how it can make a huge difference in the workplace if you, because you do, you need to trust people and you need to build trust. And if you're trying to build it in different ways and you don't realize that what someone is seeking is is trust building and you're shutting it down, right? How disastrous that could be. I wonder if we can go to one more, which is around emotional expression, because this is another place that I think, like trust, can really backfire in the workplace if we have, you know, different ways of expressing emotion, different ways of uh, expecting emotion to play out, and and even like the the how direct we are with folks and kind of what's appropriate in that. Maybe you can just unpack that one for us and then we'll then we'll move on to what to do about all these things. Hey there, Mamie here. Just a quick and exciting update for all of you who are enjoying the Modern Manager podcast. The Modern Manager membership community is getting a minor makeover and it is now called the Podcast Plus membership. And you can sign up for it and join a community of managers determined to do better every day. You'll get full access to our Slack channel, sketch notes with key takeaways from each episode, all types of guest bonuses, and the members-only podcast, which is ad-free and has extended interviews. So you get to hear the answers to my juiciest questions without interruptions like this one. Sign up today for $15 per month at themodernmanager.com slash more. Can't wait to see you there. Sure. I, 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 I can see so many examples, even in my own experience, right? Because in thinking back, I think to myself, wow, what could they possibly have thought in that particular moment? I am very neutral. What's yelling to me, to someone else, sounds like very monotone, you know? And so I, I am not necessarily, I think I've become more expressive as I, as I become more passionate about what I do, but I am very, very neutral in that regard. And I remember uh, for the longest time, I would perceive higher decibels <laughs> as either, you know, uh, angry tone or contentious tones or people who were, you know, constantly you know, expressing themselves through their nonverbal behavior and kind of moving around a lot and taking up space, really, taking up space in, in your dialogue and not understanding how that was just the way they communicate, not necessarily a reflection of their, of their perception of me in the moment or their perception of the, the context or the topic that I'm conveying. So one simple example, if I'm talking to... Um, you know, I was talking to a manager at the time, and this manager in particular was in Argentina. And I, I was here based in, in Miami. And he was visiting Miami at the time, and I'm discussing an upcoming policy, which wasn't necessarily very favorable 
but I was making sure that I was communicating with the managers in anticipation of what was to come. And this is how I'm speaking. And I'm explaining the, the new, you know, policy and, and I'm speaking like this and very, you know, pragmatic, right? Very neutral. In, in my mind, I was being pragmatic. He immediately stands up. We're both sitting and he immediately stands up. How can this be? And he's like, you know, using all this and raising his arms and it and his nonverbal behavior to me seemed angry, right? He was he I was getting, I was perceiving the message that he was angry and upset. So as he, of course, is is, you know, escalating and his tone is getting higher and higher. I become more neutral, right? More subdued. And I'm explaining to him, you know, what's going on and how I value his inside. You know, he's explaining to me that he's getting more lively, right? At the time, I, at the time I thought rowdy, but he's getting more lively. And the last question I asked him was, okay, where do we go from here? And then he says to me, what do you mean? It's the policy. We have to comply. And I'm thinking, oh, but, you know, I, I thought I, I'm getting the sense that you, you don't agree and you're having a challenge understanding. And he's like, no, I understand perfectly. There's nothing wrong. <laughs> so here is this exchange. I'm thinking, wow, he's upset. You know, we need to find some common ground. I want to help him understand because he is the one that's going to explain this and execute at the local level. And he says to me, no, I, I'm completely fine with it. And I said, oh, I, I was getting the impression that you were upset. And, you know, I want to make sure that you understand. And we're speaking Spanish, right? And he said, no, 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 I'm perfectly fine. Believe me, if, you, if I were upset, you would know. Because I would tell you. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. okay. That's amazing. I love this story because it really nails home the point you were making about our cultural intelligence is really about perception. Our perception, like we can, different people can see the same behavior and perceive it in many different ways based on their own culture and what they, what they kind of, I don't even know what the right words are, right? But it's whatever our culture is, we see a behavior and we perceive it in a certain way. And different cultures are going to perceive that same behavior differently. And that's what makes it so challenging because it's not like we can do a particular behavior and know that therefore it's going to be interpreted exactly how we intend, right? The person who we're talking to really matters, right? The receptor of this message is the one that we have to be really connected to and understand what is their cultural intelligence or what is their culture? And what are we then, what do we need to do differently that we might naturally be inclined to? Or how how might we need to behave in a way that's really going to allow them to get the message clearly? So we don't have these weird miscommunications where you think you're about, about to have a, a whole handful and it turns out, no, not a big deal at all. Exactly. And you you hit the nail on the head, right? That, that you know, we're perceiving these these emotions and if we don't check in and if we don't understand where that could be rooted in, we will never be able to bridge that gap because
because it could have easily turned into a conflict. I could have easily let him walk away and assume that he was upset. But at the end of the of, of the conversation, what I wanted to do was check in and make sure that we were on the same page, whether it was, you know, I agree or don't agree or what, what do we have to do to then move forward together, right? That is the essence of cultural intelligence is not being perfect. We don't understand the nuances and they will never understand the nuances behind every single culture, every single detail. But it all comes down to basics, right? Being curious enough to to ask questions, to clarify, to check in continuously, consistently, to understand where the other person is at, right? Because if you add other cultural preferences, like for example, you know, someone who who believes or prefers high power distance. You know, it's one of the cultural value dimensions that impacts our perception of authority. So if you are in a situation where you're talking to someone and they have a high regard for authority, a high regard for, um, for structure, their propensity to speak up in that moment will be influenced by that. They will see you as someone in authority and they will not give you feedback or may hold back on feedback that you need as a leader. So you have to check in to those nuances to really understand what that person values. You can't sit here and assess every single person in the planet to know what the cultural value preferences are. But asking questions and coming from a place of curiosity and not judgment helps you then navigate those nuances and cultivate empathy. Yeah. And and going back to where you started from, we aren't just one culture, right? You can't look at someone and just say, oh, you're from America. Therefore, you have this set of cultural preferences. No. Right? We're an amalgamation of all these different cultures. So the, it sounds like the only way we can really understand someone's culture and their cultural values or preferences is by asking, is by opening those conversations and being curious and non-judgmental and really trying to understand them and also being, I'm guessing, willing to share our own, right? Especially if they're different and and not not sharing it in a way that's this is better, but just in a way of this is different. So how do we work through this to find a way that we can both get our needs met? Exactly. Spot on. So maybe you could take a quick minute and just tell us, like, how do you have that, those conversations? If you're running into a, a friction with someone, maybe I, I love this one on, on power difference um, in particular, because I think that, I mean, so many of these play out in the workplace, right? So if you're running into a situation like that, how do you open the conversation in a way that that feels natural and doesn't doesn't feel like awkward? I know a lot of times, you know, <laughs> managers joke, like, you don't really want to sit down and say, so I read a book. And, or I listened to a podcast and they told me to say this, right? Or, or I was, I was learning about cultural intelligence and I'm wondering what's your cultural preference when it comes to uh, power distance? <laughs> so are there ways that we can kind of open these conversations in a way that doesn't feel so awkward or uncomfortable, but just feels like a natural conversation we might have with a colleague? I want to preface it by saying that it will always be uncomfortable. So the very first step is to honor the discomfort. And I don't mean that from a judgment uh, perspective or 
from a perspective where you have to feel pain all the time. No, it is uncomfortable to stretch beyond what you know, right? Because we have been so conditioned to feel comfortable, especially in the workplace, that sometimes breathing will, will create conflict, right? We've been so conditioned like not to talk about things that make us uncomfortable because it will create more discomfort. So understanding that the road towards cultural intelligence is uncomfortable. And I talk about that a little bit in the book because you're all of a sudden confronting yourself and you're looking in the mirror. So we have to start there, understanding our own cultural values and how they may lead to biases sometimes, right? Or distorted perspectives. Because it's only then when you can become more open, all of a sudden you have this awareness, right? So you are becoming more open and expanded. So that allows you to tap into curiosity, which you need in order to listen actively, because hearing is not listening. So to listen actively, you need to lean in with curiosity. It's only when you listen that you can do so in a way that's inclusive without having to use the word inclusivity or belonging. That in and of itself is being inclusive, you know, and then look for common ground, right? With the manager, the example I gave earlier, I was interested in finding out where we were even after this exchange, which I, which I had distorted the meaning at the time, right? But I wanted to find common ground with this manager to understand where we were in this exchange. So once you do that, you can then move towards flexing and adjusting, right? And that's continuous. That is day in, day out. So in order to, in order to do all of this, you have to look in the mirror first, you know, and then lean in. And lean in with that curiosity. And don't forget to be that lifelong burger and educate yourself on all, you know, on cultural differences and all of the different dynamics that, um, that shape the way that we are and reasons why we are so different so that we can use that to, to connect. I love that you started from this place of we, we need to accept that we aren't going to know everything and it's going to feel awkward. It's a growth or a stretching edge for us and that that's okay. That's part of it. So we shouldn't just assume that there's any way to go through all, all of these conversations and have it just feel totally natural and organic, right? It's, it's going to feel a little awkward and that's okay. That's part of the process and that we need to look at ourselves first, right? You can't ask someone else about their preferences if you don't really understand your own. So being really clear about what are, what are your preferences, whether they are particular cultural preferences or personality preferences, and then being able to have that conversation where you really listen, you know, curiosity. Yes. A hundred percent active listening. Absolutely. All right. We have to wrap up though. So Lauren, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fabulous boss? Oh, yes. This one person in particular was absolutely amazing. In fact, that he is still my mentor to this day. And he was great because he didn't hold me any less accountable. 
But he always looked to find the good in me, the good in my skills while shaping my skills um, as we went along. You know, I joke that even when he was upset and, and holding me accountable for something, he was still kind. He was present. He held my space in ways that I, I had very rarely felt before. And he wasn't afraid to hold me accountable when he needed to. He just did so with kindness. Beautiful. We can all aspire for that. And where can people learn more about you, keep up with your work, get a copy of your book? You can get a copy of my book, Becoming the Change, The Power of Cultural Intelligence on Amazon and Kobo. You can learn more uh, from me at laurenrosario.com. I am very active on LinkedIn. So I'm in LinkedIn under Lauren Rosario Maidonado where you can find tidbits and information I share every single day. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for coming on and helping to make us all a little more culturally intelligent. Thank you so much, Mimi. I appreciate you. Every week, guests provide members of Podcast Plus with a guest bonus. These bonuses are not available to the public or are given away for free or a discounted price. Members can log into our member portal to access prior guest bonuses. And let me say, there are literally thousands of dollars of value available in the form of PDF downloads, webinar recordings, discounts on products and services, and more. Plus, members get the extended episode where Lauren explains how cultural intelligence can help you navigate conflict. To get the extended episode, Lauren's guest bonus, and many more, become a member at themodernmanager.com slash more. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.